0: conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Catherine Cruz. Inflation is weighing heavy on everyone's pocketbook these days with the rising costs of goods and services because of of a myriad of factors. What's the outlook for restaurants and bars? We checked in with Doug Harris, co-founder of the Harris Agency and Food Gurus. He's the CEO of the umbrella group uh, Digivortex, the company which for a decade has compiled the Food Guru Restaurant Index for eateries across the state. It tracks from some 4 million transactions every month. Here's Harris.
1: The summer kind of fizzled with the inflationary considerations.
0: Give us kind of a a bird's eye view across
1: the islands. Well, Oahu got hit the hardest. They had a decent start at the beginning, but from an overall perspective, Oahu really got whacked. And I think the first quarter they saw 23% daily customer count increases. And then we saw a 10% decrease in the second quarter of 2022. But Overall, it'll end up first half of the year about 5%. But wow, what a roundabout with regards to booming in the first quarter and 22% gains, price increases, inflation. We saw a 10% decrease across most of the categories in Oahu. Big Island's been the slowest to bounce back in 2022, just an 8% gain in the first quarter. And then we're looking around about a 3% loss in the second quarter. So the big island's probably taken the biggest hit with regards to second quarter inflationary considerations. The price sensitivity of some of the communities, you know, again, really didn't bounce back strongly as the other islands did from 2022. Well, I know folks, quarter.
0: folks are, are keeping their fingers crossed, right? They've just started resuming the Japan flights at the international airport there. So they're yes. hoping that that's going to come back strong and help things out. But Big Island residents have to drive farther, and gas is so expensive, and so they've got to cut back somewhere, and they may, you know, cut back with going out to eat.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, as you said, overall, Big Island, certainly the bigger populous areas of the east side, etc., they're more price sensitive. And it is kind of more of a situation where they're watching pennies and being careful with the household. Some of the households seem to be larger, too. Maui, you know, Maui's a different story. Maui's actually been probably one of the more resilient islands with regards to what's going on. Of course, they've had their issues with labour like everywhere else, but tourists have been flocking back, and I think it's been hard to get restaurant seats in some of the areas. Definitely in the first quarter, you know, they saw a robust... 40% 40% increase versus Q1 at uh, 2021, and then they're looking at uh, nearly a 30% increase for the second quarter. So Maui's going pretty strong with regards to all of the islands. Kauai is also doing pretty well with regards to visitors and overall people out and about. So Oahu got whacked. Big island's still slow to recover and probably feeling the impact of the price increases more than the rest of the islands. Maui's going reasonably strong, and then Kauai's doing well.
0: I have to admit that I went out and got a plate lunch at my favorite place and the Katsu Curry Mini was eliminated, (laughs) you know. Another eatery in my neighborhood, they were offering a plate lunch for $29, a surf and turf, which kind of made my eyes pop. So it's just really interesting to see what these eateries are having to do. Either they're cutting back on product or definitely having to raise their prices.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the early days of the $9 plate lunch are long gone, unfortunately. And I don't know whether we'll ever see them again, to be quite frank. And I think everybody's very conscientious of trying to keep their prices as affordable as possible because we are in a very price sensitive market. But at the same time, you've got to stay in business. And I think we're still going to see a lot of backlash coming through in the third and fourth quarter. We are chasing soft quarters. So we will see year over year gains. Maybe in the fourth quarter, but at the same time, it's not looking like the inflationary pressures are going to ease off anytime soon. Although nationally, we are seeing some declines and we are seeing a lot more labor coming back into the market. So hopefully that'll come into Hawaii soon, but we're not seeing it right now.
0: As we watch to see the price of gas go down in states across the mainland, you know, it's not coming down much here on Oahu. And, you know, again, that's a a concern if people are having to outlay money, you know, for transportation, there may be less for eating out.
1: Definitely. I think people are still really feeling and I'm wondering whether because of the inflationary pressures, whether we're seeing the unemployment levels dropping and more people actually heading back into the workforce to boost up that household paycheck because the expenses are definitely putting pressure on disposable income is my question.
0: Here on Oahu, the mayor, I think, did give the okay to uh, businesses to continue the outside dining. That could help in some regard because people seem to like that, you know, when, when we're given the option of eating outdoors.
1: Yeah, I think that was a really good initiative by Mayor Balangiati. I think the casual dining category, which is what we call sit down with alcohol, if you do have a license, it's kind of a sit down and there's alcohol. was the hardest set of all restaurant categories when we looked at daily customer counts. They didn't really raise prices. They were kind of holding their prices firm in the first quarter. And then second quarter, we've seen an increase of about 6%. You know, I think that's going to really help the casual dining category because they are the most impacted with regards to COVID sensitivities. Let's put it that way. So the sidewalk dining spaces will definitely help alleviate some of those concerns. Quick serve restaurants, and we're looking at the categories, just talking quickly about them. Now, quick-serve restaurants, really fantastic start to 2022. A lot of those guys were recording 12% increases versus prior year, but that's really peered back in Q2. And also, we're starting to see it definitely slow down in Q3. So, you know, quick-serve restaurants is what we call fast food or food to go. You know, a lot of those guys took a lot of price in the first quarter. That's also a very price-sensitive area, but just because there's a competition on every corner.
0: Oh yeah, there were multiple. I think companies that grew out of that pandemic just for people who wanted to have their food delivered and not go in the restaurant. But but again, if you are a business that relies on that delivery and the cost of fuel is going up, you know that's another consideration.
1: It is, and you know the 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 thing with delivery, especially third-party delivery, which is the majority of uh, the services offered by restaurants. If you are looking at margin squeezes on menu items, that's going to impact where you're putting your focus and most of your focus is going to be on just on the takeout and the dine-in first as opposed to delivery delivery you know it's funny because when things got super busy in uh, the summer of last year when it was crazy numbers everybody actually started moving away from delivery from a restaurant point of view and now delivery is coming more popular again and it is getting more competitive the issue with delivery too though is drivers And so what we're seeing, and it's okay in in the metro areas, but when you're looking more at the suburban areas, et cetera, we're struggling to get drivers. And so, you know, you're looking at orders being cancelled and unsatisfied customers because it's taking so long. So even with delivery... You're not exempt from having the pressures of a low labor market.
0: And then what about the uh, problems with supply chain, whether it's the bird flu affecting whether you can get chicken wings very easily or
1: or eggs? Yeah, the proteins definitely have seen some huge increases in uh, 2022. And I know seafood and steak, et cetera, have been ridiculously high numbers. You know, one thing we're seeing is... Um, the mainland distributors, et cetera, have been, also have been focusing on dealing with short labor markets and they're starting to more consolidate into their more profitable areas and focusing on producing larger quantities, which you know is impacting some of the of the food and beverage distribution in the islands where we're seeing you know more emphasis away from direct from supply. And now we're moving back into a distributor relationship, which is a trend we haven't seen. For quite a while, it's putting a lot of pressures on the independents and especially the larger independents who will be using more of uh, uh, manufacturing direct. But now they're moving, have uh, been forced back into a distribution type of business model. And of course, there's additional costs that go with that. What we're seeing is um, we're moving, a lot of uh, people are moving away from discounting. Of course, fast food discounting is part of the DNA, but, you know, we're, we're talking more about focusing on signature premium items, and we're looking more at uh, making sure that service is phenomenal, anything that's being dealt with is re- is addressed immediately with regards to complaints, because we are seeing a lot of uh, customers flocking towards, you know, they're looking more at the uh, what we call the crowdsource review forums mm. like Yelp, Google, TripAdvisor. Uh, you know, TripAdvisor's stronger on the neighbor islands, but Yelp and Google, we're seeing brands that have high regard with with ratings and reviews doing very well, and demand is strong.
0: That was Doug Harris, CEO of DigiVortex, which compiles the Food Guru Restaurant Index for Hawaii every month. It tracks some 4 million restaurant and eatery transactions in the islands. This is the conversation on statewide, member supported Hawaii Public Radio. Coming up, your backyard quiz.
2: Onihoa, Olehua, Onihao,
3: Okawa, Oa, O Molokai, O Lana, O Mau, O Hawaii.
0: In today's Backyard Quiz, we test your island history. Back in the mid-19th century, businessman Henry M. Whitney founded the Pacific Commercial Advertiser, the newspaper that would eventually become the Honolulu Star Advertiser. For its first edition, published on July 2nd, 1859, Whitney included the statement, thank heaven the day at length has dawned when the Hawaii nation can boast a free press untrammeled by government patronage or party pledges unbiased by ministerial frowns or favors 26 years later the leaders of the pacific commercial advertiser decided to expand the organization's reach by altering specific aspects of its operations on may 1st 1882 the organization made one major change to its operation and for today's quiz we're wondering if you know what that was Call 808-941-3689 or 877-941-3689 if you know the answer. The first one to get it right gets a reusable tote bag
4: Support for the Backyard Quiz comes from Nairit Hawaii, which is committed to supporting nonprofits that help to strengthen the community and help underserved families, such as Hawaii Literacy. NairitHawaii.com
0: You know, we introduced you to a new snack line yesterday highlighting an entrepreneur with family ties to the popular, popular Yiklong label. Today we spotlight a local Windward O'ahu business with humble roots and big dreams. Adela's Country Eatery in Kaneohe has been innovating, uh, innovating ways to become more sustainable. It hit on an idea that is putting it on the map for foodies in search of something new to tantalize their taste buds. We were there early one morning while Adela herself was in the kitchen, busy preparing their signature noodles made of ulu and sweet potato, kalo, moringai, and even avocado. It was a sea of green, purple, and yellow noodles spread out on the counters. Being prepared in a noodle machine from Japan. Adela's two machines are humming away in the background, mixing red fruit and flour.
5: Three times. Then I finished the first round. So the second round is putting the liquid. Then I will check later for the water content if it's okay. Then it goes to another 10 minutes. Then after that, I'll take it out from here and put it in the machine. But if I feel that it's not well blended or well mixed, then I can run it again. So it's just depending on the feel of the dough. So this machine do everything for me. Then after that, after kneading the dough and all that, we let it rest in the rack for at least 15 minutes or so, for the gluten to develop. Yeah. And then you dehydrate it. Yes. Um, oh, you gotta cut I, it. I, I cut it. I set it aside, and then we'll dehydrate and put it in the machine over there. To cut the time of making the noodles, I use two machines. I run back and forth. So it's easier for me when nobody's around.
0: That was Adela of Adela's Country Eatery in Kaneohe. Uncle Richard is Adela's marketing man. He is the link to local farmers. And that day, a box of breadfruit was sitting at the front door.
6: I like ulu. Ulu is a lot of fiber. And I like moringa. See, the moringa leaf, we add them in in there, so you're adding a lot of fiber to it. See, uh, I'm from the old school, noodle is texture. So give me a good texture, I love it. So my thing is that I love ulu, I love moringa. Then the next is kalo and Okinawa sweet potato and avocado.
0: So what made you decide to try and experiment with the local produce here?
6: We go to the big island to work with the farmers about four, five years back. One day, we are over there. I see how they drop off the uh, Okinawa sweet potato. 90 days work. But you know farmers, see Hawaii, the Hawaii farms mostly is like three acres to five acres, small farms. You are so busy tending your farm, working hard. Half the time, you don't have enough time to get rid of the produce. So they dump the whole truckload of Okinawa sweet potato to, to feed the pigs. I said, wow, this 90 days work, There's a lot of effort. So we, we we start to figure out what you can do. That's why we come up with, you know, we make all the bread and...
0: Right, we're here at a table and you've got Okinawan sweet potato poi bread, yep. uh, homemade taro banana bread. So as you're looking for value added products, something you can move off the yep. shelf, it's gonna last uh, as opposed to something that's gonna just be in a box and spoil and, right now. Yeah,
6: and spoil in a couple of days. So, you know, uh, that's the whole thing, yeah, you can grow it, but I think we need to spend more effort in turning it into merchandise. But even even that, the bread, it's not like... That's why I told Adela, you have to make a stable. So what's a stable for Hawaii? Rice, noodle, uh, bread, uh, not that much. So, <laughs> you make noodle, people can eat noodle day and night. So you can keep making, you can never make enough of it.
0: And so your whole thought is, let's just try and be more sustainable, and you don't substitute all the flour in the noodle, you just supplement it, right? Well, you take yeah. out.
6: The whole thing is like, I, you have to keep telling people, we, we never reinvent noodle. We don't reinvent noodle. I just want it closest to a good piece of noodle, pasta. To me, it's the texture. So sometimes people say, oh wow, would they be sweet? I said, nope. We only replace a certain percentage. But see, what I found out is, at the end, you add a lot of good stuff in there. Like, I, I get a lot of people come buy the no- dry noodle for their uh, uncles, aunties, grandparents. See, I'm diabetic. So what they say is, after they eat the noodle, and then when you test the breast sugar, they said there's no spike. But they all tell me that it helps them, so. And, and you know, this, all these things are good for you, you know, ulu, that's very... By itself, it's very low glycemic index. And they always tell you, hey, this one is good for you. So, so
0: the whole idea is that it's healthier.
6: It is a lot healthier. And then, you know, moringa is the next superfood. See, the funny thing is that I guess we're so used to it. Your neighbor always bring you, you know, uh, papaya soup with uh, the chicken soup with moringa. And we don't think much about it. But uh, what I found is a lot of people in the mainland, they's, they're so exposed to it they add it to all the high protein shakes and, you know, power drinks and everything else. So sometimes they know more than I do. And yeah, it's, it's very interesting because, we, you, know, we, you know, same like Hawaii where we take a lot of things for granted, right? Good weather, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. So I think that's the area that we need to work on and start to recognize the value of Hawaii, everything, the whole package, and do as much as we can to make things better.
0: So you opted to package these noodles and sell them for people to prepare them at home because of the pandemic.
6: You know, at first, when the pandemic first started, you know, it's like, oh, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna die from all this? And are we gonna survive? So uh, the lucky thing is we do have a lot more tourists during the pandemic because when they come here, they, they spend more time on the North shore. You know, they're driving around. They enjoy the sun and the fun away from the crowd. So we actually get more customers come in. So a lot of them, they, they eat. After they eat the noodle, they want the last Christmas, a lot of people buy and send it to the relatives. Like, you know, if you live in Las Vegas, you tell them, hey, I get Ulu noodle. They get all excited. So my brother-in-law lives out there. He said, hey, send me some, you know. Or he got all his other friends from Hawaii. And see, the whole thing is that like they get every ethnic groups. So they love it. They ask for different things. And we happen to get a chance to learn how to make noodle in Hokkaido. And uh, if you look at the mixer out here, this mixer goes really slow. That, that, that's what I find about the Japanese equipment. Everything is slow. They said that's, that, that you don't break the protein that much and you, you build the gluten. So Then after she finished, she rolled the dough. She got to let it rest. For a minimum of about 35 minutes, 40 minutes. But actually, the longest you can leave it out there, better off it is. The texture becomes nicer. And
0: then you cut it. Yeah. And then you dry it. Mm-hmm. Gosh, but this is the only place you can buy the noodles. You're not uh, available at any of the stores yet.
6: No, I think we're gonna keep it like this. You know, the hard part is that we want to control the quality, we want to show people that, hey, you know, Hawaii is more than what you see in the service.
0: It's, it's another reason to stop over here in Kaneohe.
6: Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah.
0: That was Uncle Richard from Adela's Country Eatery. Earlier we heard from Adela to Sean. Her small business, which offers a made-to-order plate lunches and decadent desserts, has begun producing noodles made from breadfruit, taro, sweet potato, avocado, and even marungai leaves. Available only at their Kaneohe store.
4: Support for H.P.R. comes from Blue Note Hawaii, located in the Outrigger Waikiki, presenting Beat Lele, an ukulele tribute to the Beatles, with two sets nightly this Friday and Saturday. Tickets at bluenotehawaii.com. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists.
5: Hello, I'm Mampila Rampili, author of Dreams, Betrayal, and Hope. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about reimagining a future that is just and prosperous for.
4: Beginning Sunday morning at 11. Support for H.P.R. comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art with the evening event Palette on August 27th, a museum-wide celebration of food, drink, and art featuring local restaurants, bars, and entertainment. Tickets at honolulumuseum.org. ¶¶
0: Honolulu Civil Beat continues to look at health care for Pacific Islanders, specifically kidney transplants. Honolulu Civil Beat's editor, Chad Blair, is on the line today. Good morning, Chad.
7: Good morning, Catherine.
0: So, Anita Hofschneider has been kind of doing a deep dive on uh, kidney disease, everything from uh, kidney uh, dialysis centers, and today it's about transplants.
7: It is, and I should say Anita is not here today because she's actually uh, back in Saipan, and... And uh, looking broadly, as you say, at health issues affecting Native Hawaiians, Pacific Islanders, this story does, uh, in fact, focus on kidney transplants and the struggle of Pacific Islanders, which includes Native Hawaiians, of course, uh, to to qualify to meet the criteria uh, to get a kidney transplant. Uh, she actually looked at the data nationally and crunched it, and it turns out um, perhaps, well, disappointingly, uh, disproportionately, These groups of people really are not getting the help they need when you compare it to other groups, particularly whites, uh, Asians. Uh, She actually opens her story with um, a 60-year-old woman, a Native Hawaiian woman who lives in Laie. And her whole life is practically scheduled around medical appointments, dialysis, and so forth. She's been waiting for some time uh, to get uh, off that wait list for a transplant, and it just has not happened yet. She is not alone.
0: Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, the rates for kidney failure is really high for Pacific Islanders, like four times.
7: It is, and, and there are some other factor. There are some factors for that. One is there tends to be higher rates of smokers. There are diseases that are more prevalent uh, with these groups, um, diabetes, hypertension. Uh, that only contributes to the problems. But, but others are are, are cultural. Uh, many of these groups are are caregivers for their for their elders, for family members that are sick. They may themselves not actually have a caregiver. They may not have the financial resources to to qualify for a transplant. And there's language barriers as well. We must always remember English is not necessarily the first language spoken for people. So when you throw these things all together, it helps explain why there's this struggle to get kidneys. But what Anita really, I think, ultimately is doing, and she does say so in her story, is raising the question, is does this really amount to discrimination?
0: Mm. Yeah, and you know, you, you've got a lot of uh Micronesians that are on, on that wait list, and if you know, you there aren't that many transplants, you know, for that community, that's a you know, that's a challenge, right?
7: Or or a medical literature translated into Chukis, for example, or Marshallese. Uh, Anita did talk to a lot of the folks at um Kakua Valley, which of course serves a lot of Micronesians, but she also talked to the medical director. At the Queen's um, Transplant Center, and this is the only one that Hawaii has. It's here in Honolulu, and the medical director said, "Look, you know, we, we definitely don't discriminate based on race and ethnicity. This problem, uh, kidney disease, end-stage renal failure, that that crosses all all backgrounds. Uh, but there is a weightlift and 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 to and to qualify to meet the criteria, you got to be." pretty pretty healthy to begin with, even though you're having these problems with your kidneys. Uh, you have to, you can't be mentally ill. You can't be homeless. You can't have a history of being a heavy smoker or a heavy drinker or a drug user, uh, a history of strokes, history of heart attacks. You can see how that starts to whittle down, you know, people that might be eligible. Uh, but the other thing that this medical director at Queens happened to say, and I think it's an, an important point in Anita's story, Hawaii, for whatever reason, doesn't receive As many donated kidneys, uh, you know, that meet certain blood types, Mm -hmm. uh, as do other locales, that only contributes to this extremely long wait list.
0: Well, I think one thing that struck me was she talked to uh, the doctor over at uh, Kukua Valley, Kalihi Valley, David Deroff, and he said in the 30 years that he's been there, he's never known a single patient with kidney failure who got a transplant. I was like,
7: wow. Right. It's, it's a sad factor. And, and by the way, nationally, uh, it's Latinos and blacks uh, who disproportionately uh, have this same struggle. So uh, Anita's raising some very good questions. It's the lead story and, and, and getting a lot hits. By the way, she just tweeted out saying, I'm a Pacific Islander, too. And yes. so th- these are, as as are you. I know that. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Yeah, no, a good story.
0: But thank you so much, Chad. Thanks, Catherine. That was a uh, homeless. Honolulu- politics and opinion editor Chad Blair with today's reality check to read Anita Schneider's story on this issue visit simulbeat.org <laughs> Hawaii's public schools have been back in session for a week now and most students are starting to get settled in their routines. For the students in the state's all alternate learning program, they're doing things a little differently. The programs for youth who've t- faced challenges in the past and are not thriving in the traditional learning environment it's also an opportunity for teachers to find innovative solutions for students with unique learning styles. The Conversations Russell Subiano sat down with four young men from Honoka'a High School on the Big Island. Seniors, Kaya Lawrence Spencer, Justin Coody, and Derek Gomes, and junior Kaeo Kapiliela. They talked about the role of school in their lives and how they feel about the
8: future. Can you just talk a little bit about how that first week of school is going for you guys? We'll start with Kaya.
2: First week of school was pretty terry. All we did was get to know our classmates and then talk about what we're going to do. Derek? My first week of school was was good and welcoming.
8: All right. And then, Justin, how was your first week?
2: My first week was pretty good. Getting to find out my new classes, meet new
8: people. Ikea, how was your, your first week? Good. What I'm kind of interested in sharing is your guys' perspective on your current experience, and how you feel about your future. And so the first question I have is for the seniors, for Kaya, Justin, and Derek. You're just about done with the high school phase of your life. Do you have a post high school dream you're working toward? Or do you already know what you wanna do when you're no longer required to go to school? Go ahead, Justin.
2: I think I wanna get into like auto body, I'm thinking about going to school for it, but still a thought. <laughs>
8: Do you feel like you have to go to school to be able to have a future in auto body? No, not really. Yeah. You think that you could, it's something you could probably learn by just working at a shop or even starting your own business. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Kaya. I don't have any plan for after school, but maybe it's just work.
8: Is there a particular place that you'd be interested in working or that you're looking at right now that to, to jump into?
2: Um, there is this, landscaping job that I was working at before, but I had to stop
8: because of school. Because of school. Do you enjoy the art and the skill that, that it takes to be a landscaper?
2: Yeah, I do enjoy it because I'm not bored of my life as much.
8: Do you find that it's a creative outlet for you in addition to a, a way to generate income? Yeah. Derek, you're a senior too, yeah?
2: Yes, not like half an app, but I'm uh-huh. still working up to the Monica credits to graduate this year.
8: What are you working towards after high school?
2: I don't Working, try you know, building up and trying to, you know, I'm probably going to get equipment for my career path for yeah. the future. I'll try to get off-island.
8: Do you feel like getting off-island will give you more opportunity to advance in the career path that you're interested in?
2: Yes. There's more out there than...
8: Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, more opportunity, more there. right? There's more yeah. available. This next question is, is for everyone. Maybe we even start with Ikeao. You guys are in this alternative learning program, which the state says was created for youth who have historically faced challenges and are not experiencing success in the, in the traditional learning environment. Can you share some of the challenges that you faced in the past that have made this avenue for learning better suited for you, you know, starting with Ikeao.
2: My freshman year was kind of hard yeah. because eighth grade I wasn't really in a teaching in school, so I yeah my freshman year was hard plus online.
8: Right, you started high school at the start of the pandemic. Did the technical challenges and the distance learning challenges were those difficult for for you to overcome early on in in high school? Was it because you feel like you function better in a classroom setting? Or did you just need extra guidance with what the lessons were for the day? What classroom setting I better. Justin, what were some of the challenges that you faced?
2: Keeping up with a lot of bookwork and like homework and stuff. I used to struggle with that, especially like on the computers. But in here, it's like everything's hands-on. So it's basically what's done in here is your grade. Instead of having to take stuff home and finish it up.
8: It sounds to me like in this alternative learning program, it offers students the ability to learn in the way that they learn best. And you said before that you're a hands-on learner. Is that the the most appealing part of this style of learning? Is that it's not just read and and remember, but it's...
2: Get to get out and do stuff.
8: In all the projects that you've worked on where you've got to do some hands-on learning, what's been your favorite or or what's been the the coolest thing that you've been able to do?
2: Probably our dry box when we went down to the beach and dried some fish.
8: Yeah, you guys built that from scratch. Did you catch the fish too? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No. Derek, how about you?
2: Back in ninth and tenth when COVID hit. I was really struggling and and I had no motivation, no goal. But then once I started opening up and talking to people and I, I found my goal.
8: Why do you feel like you struggled with motivation?
2: Losing close relatives and, and just I didn't have a goal. But then yeah. I, I worked and I found
8: that goal. Would you be willing to share what your goal is?
2: To get off island and try to become a, a voice actor and travel the world and so much more.
8: Your interest in voice acting, does that come from, you have an interest in animation or... Oh, uh, uh, yes. Radio is a good place to start if you're interested in, in voice acting. Kaya, what were some of the challenges that you faced?
2: I didn't live out here when I was younger. I used to live in Hito when my papa died. I came out... I'm and then that raised my whole life. But my main challenge was getting over the fact that I lost him And football, when I used to play, helped me get through
8: stuff. Sometimes change, right? Change in our lives impacts us in various ways. Yeah. And this question is for Derek and Ikeau. There are some students who fit that traditional school schedule and curriculum just fine, and then there are plenty others who, for whatever reason, sees school as more of a process to endure or even something holding them back. What are your thoughts on the idea of school in your life right now? Derek, if you want to jump in.
2: I think there's many opportunities. You just need to find the right class and focus. Don't
8: give up. You feel like you're pretty present in the moment and you're, you're not in an especially big hurry to move on to the next phase of your life.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. I learned a lot
8: of things throughout the years. Okay. And, and EKL, what what are your thoughts, man?
2: Just think of it. Man. I like a good future. So yeah. if you come to school, do what I gotta do. Do it. Just get to it.
8: What are you interested in doing after school with the things that you learn? Do you have plans to do more schooling or do you feel more like you want to get into a job right away? Get
2: into more schooling, I get my contractor's license, yeah. start my own business.
8: Do you want to build things? Is that is that what you're looking to do with your contractor's license? Yeah. What kind of things would you be interested in building? Homes or commercial buildings? Yeah, Like homes. Homes. Do you have horses? Yeah, I have horses. Uh, yeah. yeah. What role do your horses? What role will they play in the future? So they could be a
2: side job because I train horses.
8: This one is for Kaya and Justin. The alternative learning program enables teachers to replace conventional instruction with innovative solutions, or at least the opportunity to find innovative solutions to help students shift the way they think about education. What do you hope to learn this year or have the opportunity to do this year that you feel will best prepare you for your next phase in life? Go ahead, Justin. I want
2: to go to that UTI meeting and probably sign up for it and see what happens from there.
8: Can you talk a little bit more about that? What what does UTI stand for?
2: Universal Technical Institute.
8: Okay. Okay. UTI. Okay. Is there one on the island or or do you have to travel to go to one?
2: Yeah, I have to travel.
8: Where would you have to go?
2: There's a few campuses. I know there's one in Arizona. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where there's other ones, though.
8: Have you been to the mainland before? Is that something that interests you, doing more traveling? I've been there
2: a couple of times, but I don't know. I get homesick pretty fast, so...
8: (laughs) Kaya, what, what are your thoughts?
2: Just get all my knowledge that I can that I haven't before.
8: Do you think the school is geared to give you the kind of knowledge that you need for that next phase? You know, you were you were talking about going into landscaping. Will the school is have the opportunity to kind of help you get down that path?
2: I don't think so.
8: If the school asks you to landscape a, a section of, of the school, is that something that you'd be interested in in doing for them? If there was a big hedge on campus, could you shape it into the shape of a dragon?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't be able to do that, but I'll try my best. Make it look like a dragon.
8: What would you need to be able to do a dragon on campus?
2: Probably shape it out of wood.
8: That'd be kind of cool. This one's for everybody. We seem to have a handle on the pandemic at the moment. You know, you would think that it would be something that was hopeful. That would be a source of big hope for us. But some of the pandemic's repercussions, like this supply chain issue that is making the cost of everything go through the roof, that presents a whole new set of issues to address. Are you hopeful about the future, or do you worry about what it may hold? Derek, what do you think?
2: For my future, or
8: I think I think for the future as as a whole. You know, when when we look at our community, when we look at our island, our state.
2: Yeah, there's always a way.
8: When you think about the cost of everything, Derek, does that worry you a little bit? The
2: price of things. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of harsh.
8: How much is gas in Honoka? Um,
2: I think it's almost $6. Almost five, 6 five, okay.
8: All right. Justin.
2: Uh, I think it's just going to get worse. Yeah. What?
8: Why do you think that? I
2: don't know. I think everybody's just going to try and make it their own thing. And then everything's just going to get expensive. I don't know. They're going to end up with all kinds of new diseases. I don't know. It's just
8: gonna be crazy. <laughs> I think I could see how you would think that there, if you look at the past and the pandemic, and then monkeypox now, one could think that 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 trend will continue. What do you think would have to happen for you, for your future to be more hopeful?
2: Mm, get some honest people running this place.
8: That's a good point. The the leaders, yeah, the political leaders, the business leaders. Ekl, what what are your thoughts, man?
2: I don't know. It's kind of like, I'm kind of like in the middle. It depends who the next
8: governor is. So you think the state leadership will play an important role? Yeah. If you had the chance to vote, do you know who you would vote for, for the next governor?
9: Myself.
8: Myself. You, oh, you, who would vote for yourself? Okay. What do you think is the most pressing issue that needs to be addressed in the state? What would you address first? Are
2: these tourists.
8: You think that the amount of tourists that come to our islands is too much?
2: Yeah, yeah. way too much. Yeah.
8: All right, and then Kaya, what what are your thoughts, man? Are you, you hopeful or do you worry still?
2: Still do have hope, but I'm more so worried because a lot of stuff has happened over the years, and most of the signs are getting better and better.
8: Do you feel you're prepared for adulthood?
2: Yeah, I feel like I am prepared. My mom guys coming me how to be, a grown up at the right time.
8: Derek, what do you think, man? You ready to be an adult?
2: Yes. I'm basically already one of them. But I'm the man of the house because my father passed away and it's only
8: my mom. I think I'm prepared. Ikea, what do you think, man? You you prepared?
2: Yeah, I, I feel like I'm prepared.
8: Do you feel like your your family has played a big role in getting you to that point?
2: Yeah, my mom, my stepdad, and my
8: uncle. And Justin, you ready to be uh, independent?
2: Yeah, I'm ready to get out there and yeah. do my own thing.
8: All right, guys, appreciate your time. Oh. Okay. All right. have a good
0: one. Thank you. That was Honoka High School students kaya Lawrence Spencer, Justin cootie Derek Gomes, and Ikeo Kapiliela. They were talking about the new school year and their hopes for life beyond high school with HBR's Russell Subiano. We plan to connect with them again next May to see how their school year went and how their outlook on life may have changed. This is The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. We now go to this week's Manu Minute, and we've got a song you're sure to recognize. It's from one of the most common songbirds in the islands, the house finch. Here's University of Hawaii at Hilo biology professor Patrick Hart.
10: The house finch was first introduced to Oahu around 1870 and soon spread to all the other Hawaiian islands. It is now one of our most widely distributed birds. It can be commonly found at sea level on all the main Hawaiian islands, then mauka through pastures, woodlands, and wet forests, all the way up to subalpine forests above 9,000 feet elevation on Maui and Hawaii. Some people in Hawaii call them papaya birds, or manuai mikana, because of their habit of eating soft fruits such as papaya in backyards and orchards, but they also love insects, as well as seeds of all kinds, and can be commonly found at bird feeders. They're about five inches long from bill to tail and are sexually dimorphic, meaning males and females look very different. While both sexes are mainly brown with pale streaks, the males have a head and chest that ranges in color from yellow-orange to bright red, with the color dependent on the level of carotenoid pigments they get in their food. House Finch's song has been described as a sweet warble and can be heard throughout the year in Hawaii. Songs are generally sung by the males, either to attract females or as a form of aggression directed at other males. They can sing while they're perched and even while they're flying. House finch calls, on the other hand, are a rather nasally cheap and are given by both males and females when they're foraging to let each other know where they are. House finch are one of the most common and widely distributed birds across North America. Until recently, they were thought to be the closest living relative to our native Hawaiian honeycreepers. Recent molecular evidence, though, indicates that this distinction now belongs to the closely related rosefinch, which is only found in Eurasia. About seven million years ago, a small flock of these rosefinch somehow crossed more than twenty five hundred miles of ocean, landed in what we now call Hawaii, and evolved into our more than 56 species of honeycreepers, many of which, though, have unfortunately gone extinct. For Hawaii Public Radio, this is Patrick Hart from the UH Hilo Department of Biology. Support for Manu Minute
4: comes from Waiakea Water in Hilo, offering alkaline water featuring aluminum bottles and spouted boxes designed for filling personal water bottles. Subscriptions at waiakea.com.
0: for your backyard trivia answer. Early in the show, we asked you about the Pacific Commercial Advertiser founded by Henry M. Whitney in 1856. The businessman based his publication on the New York Commercial Advertiser and said that the day at, at length has dawned when the Hawaiian nation can boast of free press. A quarter of a century later, the weekly publication was ready to expand. And on May 1st, In 1882, PCA leadership decided to permanently switch to printing the news daily. The paper has gone through many owners and a few name changes in its history. The 1921 owner, Lauren Thurston, renamed the PCA the Honolulu Advertiser. Then in 2010, after merging with rival Honolulu Star Bulletin, the publication became the Honolulu Star Advertiser, turning Honolulu into a one-paper town. We had no winners today. We stumped you on that one. But that's today's quiz. If you've got an idea for one, write to talk back at hoypublicradio.org.
4: Support for H.P.R. comes from the Hawaii Island Community Health Center, a merger of Bay Clinic and West Hawaii Community Health Center, now providing comprehensive health care on Hawaii Island. HICommunityHealthCenter.org.
3: Aloha, I'm Bert
2: Lum. If you're interested in science, technology, and Hawaii's innovation economy, Tune in to Bite Marks Cafe on Hawaii Public Radio, HPR 1, today at 6.30 p.m.
0: In her two decades-long career, Tig Notaro has brought her uh, comedic chops and her signature deadpan style to film, radio, television, memoir, and podcasts. Listeners may know her already from her appearances on The Moth or This American Life or on her own podcasts, Don't Ask Tig and Tig and Cheryl. True story. She's known for her confessional style, talking about everything from her breast cancer diagnosis to the death of her mother on stage. Hawaii audiences will have the chance to see her live this Friday on her Hello Again tour. The conversation Severa hanneman uh, spoke with Notaro ahead of the show.
3: This is a little bit of a role reversal for you because, in addition to hosting your own podcasts, you played a radio host named Tid Bavaro in the loosely autobiographical show One Mississippi. The cadence of public radio names gets a lot of attention. So, how did you settle on Tid Bavaro for the show?
11: Well, it's funny because. <laughs> I I think we all just assumed my name was going to be Tig on the show, and the name Bavaro is some family friends of mine, and I jokingly in the writer's room said, oh, what if I just am Tig Bavaro? And then I didn't think anything of it until I remember we were filming an episode where I pull up and I see my boxes packed up, with the name Bavaro on there. And I I was like, oh my gosh, we never revisited that, and I guess my name is Tig Bavaro.
3: And just looking at your numerous credits in comedy, the one project that might seem like a little bit of an outlier is your role in Star Trek Discovery as the character Jet Reno. How does that role fit into your overall work?
11: My passion is making people laugh, which I think the character does, but also another passion is to be surrounded by decent people and have a good time and that's what Star Trek Discovery is. I really enjoy the cast. Everybody is is so fun. There's so many productions out there in TV and film that are not fun and it's nice when when the people are genuinely talented and and kind. Hmm.
3: Do you consider yourself a sci fi fan?
11: Well I I watched the I watched Star Trek when I was a kid and then I also really liked monster movies when I was a kid. The Godzilla movies or a big crab would come destroy a town and I did enjoy that when I was young, but I haven't really followed it as an adult, but I am in it now. (laughs) I'm very lodged in the sci-fi world now because of Star Trek, gladly
3: submerged in it. And you said making people laugh is your passion. Where does that passion come from and how do you translate that, something like that, into a lifelong career?
11: I uh, was raised around comedy and funny people and um watching comedians and SNL and you know stand up specials and stand up records and um my mother was very funny i was very influenced by her and um i was the stereotypical class clown and i uh i just was drawn to it and Never imagined I could actually do it as a living, um, and then when those doors started opening, I just kind of I couldn't believe that I could just take what I was already doing and annoying people or getting myself in trouble and <laughs> and get paid.
3: Yeah, that does sound like the dream. <laughs>
11: I mean, it's insane. It's like, I've never understood when people say, I don't want to make my hobby my job. It's like, why not? And then get another hobby. You know, it's like, why does it have to be one thing that, oh, this is my passion and my hobby. And so I don't want to turn it into work. Hmm. I, I think, I think you should. And then just (laughs) <laughs> Pick up a tennis racket or
0: something. Go canoeing. And that was comedian Tig Notaro. In the conversation, Savannah Harriman Poe. Notaro performs this Friday in Honolulu at the Hawaii Theater. We'll have more information on our website, hawaiipublicradio.org. Well, we have to go now, but on tap tomorrow, all about sea urchins, we visit a hatchery which is churning away in the name of conservation and is about to hit a big milestone. Share your feedback on our Talkback line, 808-792-8217. Post your comments on Facebook at The Conversation HPR or email us through talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. And you can find all of our shows archived online. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of The Conversation.